Welcome to episode 41 of The Route, a glorified sports business coffee chat that has a new guest every episode as they share their experiences and route in sports. I'm Christopher Nesmento, and let's get started. On today's episode, we have a very special guest that I'm personally very excited for as they, you know, they're based all the way in Switzerland with, uh, you know, one of the biggest international federations that there is on the planet. So, before we get into that episode, just a few things to cover as always. First off, if you have not listened to episode 40 of The Route, it's a must listen. I think it's must listen as it's based on my story. Every 20 episodes of The Route, I do a 20 episode recap of what I've done over the last few months and a little update of uh, what's going on in my career. So that's something that should be checked out as well. Before we get into today's episode, do not forget to um, subscribe and rate five stars on the route as it just helps us grow and uh, continues allowing new people to, to find the podcast. And finally, the last thing that I'll mention is in episode 40, I mentioned on the new projects that are going on, um, Nest Mental mar- Marketing is no longer we are now White Whale Marketing, so any social handles that the podcast will be um, posted on or you know distributed on will be via White Whale Marketing, and we have a new Instagram account as well that will be at the route sport on Instagram, and that's where you'll find all uh, the route content, whether it's clips, um, cover photos, magazine covers, um, and we're even going to insert uh, you know cool graphics as well because those, those seem to be doing very well too but without further ado to get these clips and quotes we need to listen to an episode so let's get into it i'd now like to welcome someone with a wealth of experience from around the globe from working in mexico brazil switzerland uk russia and costa rica for organizations like uefa international tennis federation and now fifa as their fifa women's tournament manager marley flores welcome to the route how's it going Hello, thank you very much for the invitation, Christopher. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us all the way in Switzerland. And, you know, the way I like to start the podcast with all of my guests is really taking us through uh, your career route. So do you mind telling us where you went to school and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, well, I did a bachelor in marketing when I was in Mexico. And as well, I was doing at the same time a major in piano performance. So I graduated Mm -hmm. from these two degrees and that gave me the opportunity to work as project manager in a chamber music concerts um, project as well uh, at national level. So I was basically organizing three seasons of concerts, chamber music uh, per year. I did this for two years and a half. Then I always liked sport and football. So I decided that instead of organizing concerts, I wanted to organize workshops. Ideally football, but I could uh, also do it in any other sport. So I looked for a master that would allow me to do that. And I found on the internet, basically, the AISTS master that is based in Lausanne. This master is a one-year program and at that time. And it gave me the opportunity to also look for an internship, which I was really keen into doing it because this internship would opened me the door in the sports industry. So I went to London and worked in the International Tennis Federation for three months. Uh, then I was doing uh, the graduation ceremony after my internship. I was offered uh, another internship, this time in UEFA, but 
I'm not European, so I had to go back to Mexico in order to try to get sorted a permit to come back to Switzerland for work. It didn't really work out. So I went back to Mexico one year with not really wanting to work there because I wanted to work in international sport organizations. And I think that Lausanne and Switzerland were my target. So I kept insisting for about a year and three months. And then is when I got into IBA in the International Boxing Association. I was there for four years. And yeah, from there I, I moved up until I came to, to FIFA. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely an interesting career route. And so you're saying you're, you went for the master's degree at ISTS. Um, is that what really helped you break through in Europe and getting into those international federations? Yeah, definitely it helped because I was not coming from the sports industry. So during the mm -hmm. year, you have opportunities to visit different sport organizations to learn how they work. And also you get to do projects with a specific sport organization, depending on your skills and depending on your background. So you get a first hand contact in these organizations. Then mm -hmm. the internship was really crucial for me to get into the industry. And with that experience, I eventually could aspire for a position in an international federation, federation which was the IVA um, International Boxing Association. Then from there, I went to, actually, I resigned because I wanted to look for my dream in football. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went in the meantime as a volunteer to Costa Rica to the FIFA Under-17 Women's World Cup to learn everything I could about the stadium operations during a big tournament. So I basically spent one month there learning in the stadium, uh, working for free, but with the vision of one day organize these kind of competitions. Then uh, after that month, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I applied again to, to UEFA and this time I I was already with a permit so I could get into UEFA for a temporary contract of six months. After mm -hmm. four months of being there, I was lucky and I got a permanent contract. And then I stayed there for two years. And after um, I wanted to work for international football, so I also applied online for a position in FIFA. And that's where I am since uh, four years to now. Yeah, yeah, that, that's amazing. And is that position... The, the one you're currently in, the women's football tournaments manager? Yeah, exactly. So basically we are in charge of the delivery of the women's competitions, which are under 17, under 20, and the, now the I did last year the women's World Cup in France. But when mm -hmm. time allows and your projects are also not in the same year, you can participate in other tournaments. I have done beach soccer last year in Paraguay, and I have done also the Russia World Cup in 2018. So overall, you get nice opportunities to work in different competitions and also see the size of them so you can compare and maybe also learn some pra good practices that you can implement in, in other tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. And is there um, a specific memory that you have where maybe you're working the Beach Soccer World Cup in Paraguay or another tournament like that where you really learn something and said, you know what, that's something I need to apply to tournaments going forward? Well, the Beach Soccer World Cup is definitely a different event because it's a mm -hmm. different discipline of football. So it was many things were 
new for me, but now I am also helping on the next big soccer World Cup that is going to be in Russia. And yeah. I already had the experience on site, so that helped a lot as well to see how this competition runs, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And now that I'm just looking through this a bit more, and before we kind of go uh, into depth with other positions you've had, were you a part of the the FIFA World Cup that was in Canada a few years back? At that time, I was working in UEFA, so I didn't have okay. a chance to go there. So I joined FIFA in 2016, just one year after. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I think when I was uh, 17, 18, we had games in here in Ottawa, and I was working certain games, and I think one of them even had the, the King of Norway, I think, went to one of the games. So that was definitely one of the, the tournaments I remember, and I remember how, how crazy the atmosphere was. The stadium was full. There, you couldn't move outside. It was full of people, and it was a really cool thing to see, and uh, especially the to see where the game's going. Um, and just kind of going back to, to the beginning of your round, maybe going diving into specific positions, we kind of touched on the master's degree you did earlier on. Is that something you would recommend to those maybe in North America or even other places of the world that aren't in Europe to maybe get those contacts? within those international federations as the majority of my listeners are Canadian and American, but we still have people in Australia and elsewhere. Okay. So I would say that the masters gives you a platform in order Mm -hmm. to develop your career. And yes, is mostly to get to know the organizations that are based in Switzerland, because in Lausanne where the master is based in the French part of Switzerland, there is around 35 international sports federations and there is also other companies related to sport i know also that the market in the u.s is very big so i would say that in europe i mean in this part of uh, switzerland we are more focused on governing bodies so this is the international sport federations for example fencing international federation equestrian uh, fifa uefa and in the U.S., I also had a look at the programs because I think it's a very good option if you go want to go more into sports marketing and entertainment. I think the U.S. is a very good choice as well because it's super developed there. And yeah. always the American uh, style of marketing is very good for entertainment. And I think it depends on where you want to work after. I think that this is one question that you need to answer yourself. And ask yourself and then answer yourself about what you want to do after the master's. I knew that I wanted to go to an international sport federation. So yeah. I knew that Lausanne was the right choice. But if you are more into sport entertainment and uh, sports marketing, I would advise either the USA or also in the UK. There, are, there is a lot of development on these areas. In London, for example, there is a lot of companies and uh, agencies that do a lot of these things. So it would depend on what you want to do after, because also if you already work in the sports industry, maybe only if you want to change to work for federations, you could opt for the ASTS. But if you're already working, I would say that you need to do a better analysis on what you want to achieve after the master's. Yeah, of course. That makes a lot of sense. And kind of diving into your your first experience in Lausanne, do you mind maybe telling us a bit about your your position at AIBA as events and tournaments manager? Yeah, in AIBA, I had the nice opportunity to work in many different projects. It was a relatively small organization when I joined. 
we were around 12 people. So these 12 people were, we were in charge of organizing championships, organizing Congress, organizing workshops for coaches, organizing different events. So it was a 360 degrees experience for me. And the nice thing is that we had these projects in different parts of the world. So I also got to travel a lot and our boss was very empowering. So he, we were maybe half of us were around 25, 27 years old and we were given the projects to deliver them. So it was a lot of pressure, but we learned a lot and we traveled a lot. So for me, it was a very enriching experience. Yeah, absolutely. And what really goes into, you know, planning all these different, um, let's say, qualifying tournaments or testing events? What what does it consist of for on your end? Well, um, for boxing or for football? Because it's different. Uh, for the IBA, IBA position, yes. Okay, so the qualifying event, the one that I worked since the beginning until the end was in Brazil, actually mm-hmm. in a stadium called Maracanazinho, which is just next okay. to the Maracana. It's, they normally use it for indoor volleyball tournaments. So on this one, I was the project lead, and I had to ensure that, for example, the ring arrived on time, that the ring is ready for when the boxers need to go and train and also have their competition there. I was also in charge of supervising the signage, also in charge of the transport plan, so how the athletes will get to the stadium, to the venue, the accommodation plan, the rooming lists with the local organization committee, then also a bit of coordination with the other areas like TV, like media to run the competition and the core sport-related matters like registration of the boxers, making sure that they have everything in their dressing room so they can perform at the best level. And then at the end, it's about the event itself that I was responsible together with the counterparts in Brazil to deliver it and also to make it happen in the best way because it was one of the continental qualifiers for the London Olympic Games. So it was a pretty important event. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of diving into your your soccer slash football career, a bit more as that's where you transitioned after IBA is there what's the main difference between um, managing events and tournaments for IBA versus for football tournaments going forward well I think that the football tournaments are getting bigger and bigger every time mm-hmm. so um, in IBA I was more able to have the overview of the whole event I was pretty much involved in all the areas in football it's a bit different because it's a bigger uh, dimension of event so here I'm more focused on the stadium inspection selecting training sites and we leave for example I don't do any accommodation or I don't do any transport plan so the other departments take care of that but we are all coordinated so I would say that's the difference that in football we can focus in, in one two areas and then as many people are involved they take care of the other details yeah, absolutely. And then in terms of FIFA versus UEFA, is there a major difference between organizing a tournament for one versus the other? Or do you find it's fairly similar since it, it is the same sport and it's just different governing bodies? Well, yeah, it's different because in UEFA, you have only one continent and you have pretty mm-hmm. much, I would say, standards on types of stadiums, uh, sizes, infrastructure, although also there is a big difference sometimes between the big countries and the small countries. 
territory-wise. And in FIFA, you are very... I would say that you need to be very flexible because you cannot compare a stadium, for example, for an under-17 World Cup in Uruguay with a, a tournament in Papua New Guinea. So it's really different. The culture is different. The size of the place is different. The language is different. So I would say that in UEFA you can stand, standardize more than in FIFA because in FIFA you have the whole world. So it's difficult to standardize on parameters. Yeah, no, so you that, that makes a lot of sense. Sometimes need to be a bit more create, creative uh, to, to find solutions. No, no, absolutely. That, that, that makes a lot of sense, especially when you're using the example that, that you just did. And when it comes to, you know, organizing these different tournaments, like you're saying in Papua New Guinea versus like Uruguay or France or Russia, um, what is the maybe the biggest challenge when you're going to maybe a smaller um, country rather than, you know, when you're with UEFA, you're constantly with, you know, these larger European nations? Yeah, well, I would say I will put an example. For example, in Papua New Guinea, mm -hmm. we had the under-20 Women's World Cup in 2016. It was my second tournament with as a FIFA employee. And the challenge there was that we had to import many materials from other countries like China or Australia, uh, beginning with the to begin with the goals, you know, because in Papua New Guinea, the most popular sport is rugby, so even the goals had to be imported from China and other things that in other countries you assume that they have, but in Papua New Guinea, every day was a surprise. So it was very challenging. It was fun at the at, at the end, but it was very um, challenging, and also you had to be creative and flexible because they, they're an island, basically, so they don't have the same infrastructure that you might find in other countries. Yeah, absolutely. And do you do you um, maybe appreciate or do you um, look forward to organizing these tournaments in maybe smaller markets compared to maybe the larger World Cup events? I like both because um, in the small ones you can influence more. You can work mm -hmm. in different areas. You can see everything happening in one stadium and you see all the areas. I like that because I like to have the overview of what's going on overall but also i like to be part of a big event you know so even if in russia my role was relatively uh it, it was one of the many roles that existed so i was in charge of the pre-match ceremonies so basically mm -hmm. coordinating the volunteers who open the giant flags in every match and also the guys who put the carpet with the name of the city it was a lot of logistics going on behind the scenes but yeah. I also was happy to be part of something bigger, you know. So I like both approaches, actually. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And speaking about these different terms and events that you've been a part of, are there specific memories that kind of stand out that when you maybe sit down in 30, 40, I don't know, 60 years time, when you look back and like, wow, I can't believe I was able to, to be a part of that? I think there are two moments. One was in the Women's World Cup in France because I have been involved in this project since the planning phase. So I really saw it happening from the beginning to the end. And for me, a special moment there was when I saw the first spectators going to the first match of the tournament. You know, it was just an amazing feeling that something that you have organized for three years and a half, people are interested and people have paid a ticket to go there and people will enjoy it and they will 
experience a very, very good game. That was one moment mm -hmm. I think I just felt like, wow, something that I have and the team as well have put a lot of effort now is happening and people are coming and watching it. And the second one was, I'm from Mexico, so for me it was very special to start the countdown for the match uh, Mexico-Sweden in Russia, mm -hmm. in Ekaterinburg. And that moment was amazing for me. Like, I was in charge of the match starting on time. So it was it was really, really nice moment. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I can only imagine what that would be like. And in terms of uh, the sport as a whole, I remember I was doing some research recently for... Um, another project and I was looking at the biggest sports trends in 2020 and the number one sports trend is the rise of women's sport and I know at least here in Canada when your TSN is the is the major sports network here or one of them and you know there's constantly you know um, UEFA women's games being played whether it's PSG or Manchester United or other teams in the UK what do you where do you see the future going in the next five years because at least here in Canada, it looks like it's becoming bigger and bigger as, as the years go on. Yeah, I think that overall in the world, people are putting more attention. Also, clubs are being uh, encouraged to have women's teams. Also, I think the interest of people is slowly but surely uh, getting bigger in women's football and women's sports. We just need to have more exposure. So people, for example, you know that Champions League will run on Tuesdays, Wednesdays. And I would say that we could do the same for women, that we know when it's happening, because otherwise, if you have no exposure, the players are not known by anyone. Then when you have the World Cup, you need to push more for the people to get to know the players and to get to the matches. So I think that it can only grow, and there is a lot of room of improvement on that. And also the level of the women's football is exponentially growing, including the goalkeepers. I have seen the development of the goalkeeper skills maybe five, six years ago is not the same as is now. So it's really growing fast. And they, I think that in general, in the world, women's sports just need more support, you know, to, to be able to, all the people who do sports to develop their potential. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you were talking about um, exposure of the sport and how it would be such a, a major impact and at least here in Canada um, the men's team hasn't done very much until Alfonso D Davies recently that's kind of caused a stir mm -hmm. but before then over the last let's say 10-20 years if you ask someone to, to name a Canadian soccer player they would say Christine St. Clair and it would always be that would, that would be the, exactly. the biggest soccer player coming from here was, was a women's player so yeah. obviously the talent's there and I know at least in Canada much more people were, were following the, the women's team for a large amount of time, especially since they're so good. And just yeah, I continuing. think Canada is a very nice, nice special case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, Canada, US. I mean, you need to, yeah, to give exposure to these players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just touching on Canada, US, at least maybe because of hockey and the different, you know, winter sports competition and rivalries. I think every time uh, Canada plays USA in in women's soccer, any sport as a whole, it always gets a lot of exposure and oh. a lot of interest from. From people here yeah so for for your career obviously you've already done a ton of great things already but are you interested okay. in staying in europe and you know working on these larger tournaments for fifa or do you have interest maybe one day whether it's you know 20 30 years from now or even sooner to maybe even come to, to north america and help grow soccer here as well thank you for the question uh 
I always uh, think about my next goal, my next challenge, you know, and I think that as soon as I have a good opportunities, whatever the opportunity is, I, I will chase it. I mean, it can be uh, inside FIFA if I have nice projects, if I have uh, competitions that I like to do, I will continue if I have good challenges. If I find something else that uh, excites me or that also gives me some extra boost and I really like it and I want to go for it, I will do it. So I think that staying or leaving an organization always depends on, on the opportunities that you are chasing. So at this point, I cannot uh, know my next step, but as soon as I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm achieving, feeling that I'm achieving something, that's the way I drive my my life basically no yeah no that, that's actually some maybe some great advice as well that people listening are going to take down where you know stay in a position where you're getting challenged and you're constantly learning and improving but as soon as you know you're just kind of staying stagnant maybe it's time to move on and take on a new challenge so that's definitely some some words of wisdom that i think people are going to take down and then kind of leaning uh with with that theme here and kind of finishing out the interview is there any advice that you would give to someone listening or even a younger version of yourself that, that you think really has helped you throughout your career? Well, I think that it's important that you know what you want, the path to get to where you want to be is not going to be easy. Uh, I have had to be very resilient and very persistent on my goals because the first time I couldn't get into UEFI was a, a low blow for me, but I knew that I wanted to work in one day in a sport organization, one day in football. So I just kept thinking about how to get there, like go around, like uh, meet people. I would advise that if you know what you want, just know that you will have to face a lot of challenges, but if you really want it, you will get there. And the other one is that if you don't know what you want, start looking at uh, webinars of topics that you may like. Then after the webinar, you may say, well, I really want to do this or I don't want to do this at all. Meet, Try to meet people as well or to reach people in these COVID times. Via LinkedIn, you can also reach to people very easily. Some of them will answer to you, some will not. But mm -hmm. to explore what they are doing, don't ask for a job in the first contact. But yeah. to explore what what they are doing, how they do it, and then uh, you start learning from the people. People get to notice that you exist. So there is now a lot of webinars about many topics that you can just uh, watch and see what is interesting for you. So that's a way that you discover. It's like a trial and error uh, process. Um, that would be the advice that I would give to the two kinds of persons that uh, would be listening to this this podcast because I was when I graduated from marketing I didn't know what I really wanted to do but with the time I discovered what I liked and that's the way that I one day thought what I really wanted to achieve and I and I had to go through all these uh, not very nice experiences sometimes but at the end if you really want it you will get there yeah absolutely that, that's fantastic advice and I think that continues on with the with the podcast perfectly as that's kind of the main objective here where I know when I was um, earlier on in my university career that I knew I wanted to to work in sports and specifically on the business side of things, but I always had a hard time figuring out, oh, how would I, I get into sports, right? 
Mm-hmm. I remember I, the first time I, I Googled it and there was no real answers on how to how to get a job in sports. So then mm-hmm. as the time went on, I spoke to more people. I kind of figured out what exactly I wanted to do and what I was interested in. And then once I finished university, I kind of realized with my coffee chats and everything like that is I wanted to create something like this podcast where if a younger version of myself was able to find a podcast like this, where mm-hmm. you're hearing people like yourself, um, people in all different aspects of, you know, operations, business, et cetera, in the, in the sports world, you really get a feel for what every position and what every route can look like, where it's not simply um, you want to work in sports, okay, go here and move on from there because there's so many different ways to, to get involved. So I think that was fantastic what you just shared. And unless there's anything else you'd like to, to add, um, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you. I actually congratulate you for doing this. I think that the listeners will be um, learning a lot from the podcast that you are arranging. And it's very nice uh, gesture, you know, that you want to guide them to achieve uh, working in sports. And I just want to say thank you for the invitation. I'm also on LinkedIn, so whoever wants to contact me and wants to chat a bit more or wants the, another insight, I'm available for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for offering that to all listeners. And if anyone listening wants any help, if you need help finding her, just please shoot me a message and uh, I'll be sure to, to connect you guys. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for the invitation. I would like to just thank Marley again for taking the time to you know, speak to us on the route as she has such a busy schedule. She even had to go run off to, to go do a piano lesson, which we, we chatted about briefly where I'm I'm pretty interested in that. So um, amazing, amazing person. Great story as well. So hopefully we can get more insight from her in the future. But for now, just thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And I hope all you guys enjoyed that as it's a, it's a unique um, perspective, right? Someone that's not necessarily from North America and the position they're in while they're also operating in a such a global brand that we're all familiar with. So very, very cool advice and insight from her. And I would like to just remind everyone about the exciting times ahead. Over the last week, two weeks, I've been doing a ton of recordings. I think I've already done maybe 15 recordings um, with new guests coming up for you know 2021. We have an amazing lineup coming up, whether it's from um, you know, VPs of technology, founders of, um, you know, partnership companies to, you know, people working in esports, CFL, um, the list goes on and on. Amazing, amazing guests. And some of the, you know, that, that, that's what makes me love doing this podcast so much where I get to meet such amazing people. So stay tuned for that as there's some more and more amazing episodes coming out. And, you know, to keep up to date with everything that's going on, don't forget to follow our new page at the route sports on Instagram which is powered by um, at White Whale Marketing. So with that, that's it for today's episode and uh, I'll see you guys next week.